open up the Bible. The Bible, your Bible. And if you don't have one, we can get you one. Joshua chapter 24. Joshua 24. The last chapter in the book of Hosea. Yeah, Hosea. Yeah. Joshua 24. Okay, so somebody give me a quick recap. Up to this point, this is it. This is the last message in the book of Joshua for our class. So let me give me a quick recap. What have been some of the highlights that have stood out to you, that have made the most impact to you? Something that maybe you've never thought about before, that God really hit you with? Anything like that. What do we got? Yeah. Like, I think a few weeks ago we were talking about, you know, you always like, you know what you need to do and you actually have to do it, but then you have to continue doing it even like after a month or after a couple months after you retire, you still have to do it. Right. Yep. Good. Good. Yeah, I think a lot of us can easily do that. You know, it's easy to follow God when it's easy to follow God, right? So when you talk about camp, you talk about certain events in your life, it's a lot easier to walk with God when things are just not getting in your way. But how well do you do with walking with God when things do get in your way? You should actually be walking with God closer when things get in your way because you should be leaning on him more. So don't be a seasonal Christian. That's a good one. All right, what else we got? Yep. So the biggest thing that really stuck out to me was just when we talked about Caleb and how he's going to conquer his land hmm. in the mountain with all the warriors on it. Yeah. He didn't hesitate at all, and he just had an attitude of, hey, God's on my side. We're going to go conquer this. So, I mean, just applying that to us, school is the majority you know, of our ministry or mountaintop. So yeah. like just having that attitude of, hey, let's go get it. Yeah. Yeah, give me that mountain. And it could be about school. It could be about even maybe you've got a friend or something that's just really weighing on your heart big time. I think it's easy for us to, well, they're not interested because I've tried to reach out to them for about two months and so I'll quit. Right? And that doesn't, I mean, we shouldn't be doing that. We should always have that burden. I'm guilty of that. There are times in my life where I'll have a burden for a period of time and then all of a sudden it's gone. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why? Does God, does the burden of God ever leave his shoulders? No, it doesn't. So what, what's wrong with me? And it generally is because I'm being very, very selfish. I stop thinking about them. I start thinking about me. And that ends up overriding my, my burdens and my priorities. All right, what else we got? Yep. Something that stuck out um, to me was, like, we sometimes underestimate God because he doesn't do things in our timing or, like, what we want to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, when we don't believe in God, when we don't trust in him, then work doesn't get done. Yeah. So we have to, like, trust in him even if we have to wait in his timing. Yeah, Absolutely. Because there's a reason why God's waiting, and we have to trust him. And it's not that he's not working. God is always working, even when it seems like he's not working. It's just we don't get to see the whole picture. And so that's very important. Good perspective. What else we got? Yeah. Like when Ethan took up the cursed thing in Jericho, mm-hmm. and then they went to conquer AI, and it kind of reminded me that like you have to do it exactly God's way. You can't change it for what's convenient for you. Yes. Yep, absolutely. And that's hard for us to do, because I think sometimes we tend to think that we have a better plan. And we do things our way. And God's like, no, you need to do it my way. And even when God changes his plans, then we change our plans to match up with his. Because he's in charge. What else we got? Good one so far. Okay, everybody else, just read the book of Joshua. You'll get them out. Okay, I'm kidding. All right, Joshua 24. Let's cap this off. All right, so we, we uh, last week we did uh, point number two, three, and four. And we're going to finish it off this week with point number five. And point number six. And so we talked about just with these final thoughts. We'll just go through these really quick, just as a bit of a review. Number one, no matter how old you are or how far you've come, there's always work to do. 
there's always work to do. It doesn't matter how mature you are. It doesn't matter how aged you are. There's always work to do. And you've got to remember that. Like God has you around for a reason. You're still breathing, so there's still work for you to do. And uh, a lot of people just completely give up on that. They give up on whatever God wants them to do. They, they somehow have this mentality that they retire from Christianity the way that you'd retire from a job. And that just simply does not happen. Number two, enemies couldn't be driven out of the land because they wouldn't do it. God told them to drive them out. And they just flat out did whatever they wanted to do. Because God told them to drive them out. And so they could drive them out. They just refused to do it. And then we even talked about that one verse. I think it's like in chapter 18 where Joshua said, how long, how long are you going to just not do what I've called you to do? So we need to remember that. Number three, God always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. And it doesn't matter if it takes God a thousand years to fulfill his promise. He will keep his promise. He will keep his promise. Always. I mean, think about it from this perspective. When you get saved, he radically transforms your life and he gives you peace inside. All right? That should be happening. But let's say you live the rest of your life upon this earth where you have trial after trial after trial, turmoil after turmoil after hardship after hardship after hardship, and then it seems like God's not even working. Is God working? Absolutely. Does he still give you peace on the inside? Absolutely. And guess what happens when you die? He delivers you from this life and you get to be with him for all eternity. So God always delivers on his promises. Always, always, always. We oftentimes just tend to have our own perspective and we forget that God knows what he's doing as we kind of talked about in our review. Number four, God has brought you this far, so do not go back. If you go back, it will destroy you. Um, some of you have learned this lesson in bits and pieces. Some of you, uh, God's trying to stop you from learning this lesson, uh, but you might be stubborn and rebellious and just kind of keep doing whatever you want to do. If he has brought you this far, then keep trusting him and keep going forward. Do not go back. Oftentimes, and the Bible pattern is, is that if he delivers you from something and then you go back, it's worse. It's a lot worse because he delivered you and so you should know better. And so don't go backward. It will destroy you. All right, so now we're going to talk about number five and number six, Joshua 24, and we're going to look a little bit into Judges just to kind of see the conclusion of Joshua and some of the things that happened afterward. All right, so number five, remember your past, be thankful for what you have, and decide who you are going to be. Now, this one is a message for you if you desire to mature in your Christian walk. If you really want to take God seriously and you really want to grow in your walk with God, if you want to be a successful Christian, then this point is for you. And for those of you that don't want that, hopefully your heart will get to the point one day where you will want to do this. But in order to mature with God, you have to remember your past, you have to be thankful for what you have, and you have to decide who you are going to be. Most high schoolers have no idea who they are, let alone who they're going to be. They let everybody else determine who they are, and who they're going to be, rather than understanding what is the truth of the situation and actually maturing on the inside, stop being insecure in the eyes of other people and start being secure in the eyes of God and decide who are you going to be? What kind of person do you want to be? This is Joshua's message. This is his last message to the nation of Israel. He reminds them of their past in chapter 24, and then he tells them what God has done for them, for them to be thankful for what God has done. And then he challenges them on who are you going to be? This is what he does. So Joshua 24, he starts to give them um, like all the things that God had done, their entire history. And then he, he caps it off in verse 13. And he says, and I have given you a land. 
for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted uh, not, do ye eat. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood in Egypt, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And look what the people said. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And then they explain. And then verse 18, And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Okay? So you have Joshua, and he gives them their history. All right? So think about your history and your past before you met Christ. Because he gives them their history, and he tells them about how God has delivered them from everything. And then this is the land that they've given him, and God has been faithful. So you remember your past, and then he says, Okay, now if this is the case... Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. Most Christians do not fear God because he doesn't give immediate consequences a lot of times. We have this issue. This is a huge issue that we have. There's a lot of people that have the feeling that they can get away with stuff, being lazy in their Christian walk, with sin issues, bad decisions, whatever, because there's no immediate consequences from God. Well, the Bible says very, very clear, clearly in Galatians, whatever you sow, that is what you're going to reap, right? That's what it says. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. So let me ask you, what are you sowing? Because when it comes to a farmer, if you do any gardening at all, farming background, all right, there's a little bit. Okay, there's a few. All right, for those of you that don't know, this is a one-on-one class for that, all right? And I'm sure you guys, this is common sense, but you'll get it. So if you take a seed of something, Give me an example. What are you going to plant? Tomatoes. Whoa. 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 <laughs> All right. All right. So. Watermelon. <laughs> watermelon. We got green beans. We got peppers. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. We'll go biblical and we'll go corn. We'll do that one. All right. Okay. Actually, it's a corn of wheat. It's supposed to be wheat anyway. But anyway. Okay. So let's say you take this seed. All right. Okay. And you take this seed of wheat, all right, and you put it into the ground. You cover it up, water it, fertilize it, do everything you need to do, and you sit back. And you're like, well, that didn't work. (laughs) Does that make any sense? No. Why does it not make any sense? Okay. You have to have patience. It takes time for it to grow, all right? Okay. Most things in life, it takes time for it to mature and to flourish into what it's going to be. God gave you a type. You're right there. You got it? Okay. All right. It can be hard taking off a coat. I get it. All right. <laughs> so most things, the most decisions that you make are not immediate. The fruit of it is not immediate. Okay? And God wants you to understand this. So he's given you types in his creation for you to understand that. So you can make bad decisions for months and not feel like it's actually bad at all because there's no fruit out of it that is negative, correct? The same can be true on the other side. You can make months or years of good decisions and it feels like it's not even working, right? Okay, 
But what's the truth of the matter? Yes. Through time, the fruit will come up and you will reap what you have sown. That is the biblical principle. And that is hard for us to understand in the Laodicean age that we live in because we want things immediately. We get frustrated when we order something on Amazon. It's going to take two days to come. Yes. All right. I know. And we get frustrated with one day delivery because we want it immediately. Yeah. One minute delivery. And even that's not going to be enough. All right. I went to the store the other day because we're doing a couple projects around the house. And so we removed our ceiling fan in our dining room. We're putting up a chandelier that Megan's wanted. And it's taken us a long time to even get this this far. So anyway, so there's some certain parts that I've needed. Okay. I go to the store to try to find the parts. And guess what I find? They don't have them. So what do I have to do? I have to order them online. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to search Amazon. All right. And then I'm like, and I come home and I'm like, it's going to be here Tuesday. Like, I wanted it immediately. I wanted those parts immediately because I wanted to do the job immediately. But we get so frustrated. Okay, so spiritually speaking, things don't work that way. There is no biblical Amazon. There is no, there is no, there's no, you know, Jesus Christ, Jeff Bezos. All right, it's not going to work that way where you have, I can order my spirituality and I can get it in just a matter of time. All right. I don't know who Jeff Bezos is. I heard something like, who? They'll figure it out later. Okay, so here's the concept. Here's the concept. The concept is that you guys reap what you sow, and you've got to understand this. Just because you don't see immediate results does not mean that consequences are not going to happen. I am reaping the consequences of my poor decisions when I was 18, 19, 20 years old to this day. There are things that I still struggle with because of the poor choices that I made back then. And I'm also reaping the good decisions that I made when I was a little kid, teenager, all the way up into this day. And you have to understand that. You've got to understand that. Because if you don't, you're not going to do anything for the Lord. You need to start making good decisions now so you can reap good consequences. Whether it's next week or in years to come. What kind of person do you want to be? Because whatever person you want to be, start sowing according to that. Many of you guys have no idea who you're going to be. You're just sowing because that's what you feel you should be doing. Or you're sowing certain things because of the other people around you. Or you're sowing certain things because of your family. Or you're sowing certain things because of your past. But you are not thinking about who do you want to be. Because you are not who you are based upon your family. Based upon your friends. Based upon your circumstances. Based upon your culture, you are who you want to be. So who do you want to be? Just like with the disciples, Peter, James, and John were the closest to Jesus. Were they the closest to Jesus because he just liked them better? No. Why were they the closest to Jesus? Mm -hmm. And they wanted to be. They wanted to be close to him. So they made choices to be close to him. And so I need you to think honestly about your life because for a lot of you, you really don't know who you want to be. Or maybe you do and you're just trying to fool everybody else and you're just making these decisions accordingly. Do you, who do you want to be? Look at your decisions. Look at the pattern of your decisions and that is going to lead you to a certain outcome. Do you want that outcome? Do you want to be that person? 
If you don't want to be that person, then you need to start changing some things now so you can be the person that you really want to be. You've got to start thinking this way. You have to. You have to. This is what Joshua is trying to tell them. But look what Joshua said, because he told them, okay, serve the Lord. And then look at verse 15 again. I want you to see this. He says, um, okay, you know your past, you know your fathers, you know the traditions that they held, you know the things they worship. And then he says in verse 15, and if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord. What? Hold on a second. The way he says this, I love it. I love it. Because there are so many Christians today, and many of you guys do this in, in, day in and day out. You may not do it on a Sunday, you may, but you do it during the week. You treat God as if it's evil to serve him. That's what Joshua said. Now, if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord, when you refuse to serve God, you are treating God as if he is evil. And then somehow he's bothering you because he's interrupting your plans, which means you're telling God that your plans for me are not good. I have my own, but yours are evil. That's what you're telling God. So he says, and if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord, okay, so let's say you don't want to serve God, so it seems evil unto you, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers serve. So you're going to go back into your past and you're going to start doing those things that your forefathers have done or the gods of the Amorites. So now you're in this new land and they have new things that they worship and you're going to just worship the things of the people around you in whose land you dwell. But then Joshua says this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua was a man of character. He was not swayed by public opinion. He was not swayed by past mistakes. He was not swayed by current environments. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There are very few Christians that have that kind of determination in their heart and in their life. And it's a shame. Because those Christians that serve God like that, they know who God is. If the nation of Israel really understood God and who he was, they would not go back. If they really understood who he was and who they're supposed to be, they would not worship the gods of the people in the land currently. They would worship the Lord regardless of anyone else because they know who he is. I'm firmly convinced that the reason why people don't serve God is because they don't know him. They just don't know him or they've forgotten. Like when you sit down and you think all that God has done for you, why wouldn't you serve him? I mean, have you sat down to think about you and your decisions and the things that you do day in and day out, week in and week out, and who God is and how much he loves you and how much he cares about you, let alone the fact that he purchased your eternity so that way you no longer have to go to hell. You can spend all eternity with him, serving with him and his kingdom in the future. Why wouldn't you want to serve him? And yet we treat God as if he's evil. So that's what Joshua has said to the nation of Israel, right, in these verses. So, of course, the people give the right answer. And there's a lot of people that give the right answer. But Joshua and the Lord, they see right through them. (coughs) Because they said, no, 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 we're going to serve the Lord. Verse 18. And the Lord drave out all the land. Therefore, we will serve the Lord for he is our God. He is our God, Joshua. He is our God. But then look what Joshua says in verse 19. And Joshua said unto the people, ye cannot serve the Lord for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after he hath done you good. And the people said unto him, Joshua, nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, ye are witnesses against yourselves, that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. 
Okay, okay, fine, that's fine. If you're going to make that decision, because he knows the intent of their heart, he's been around them for years. Now, therefore, verse 23, put away, said he, the strange gods, which were among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. See, Joshua knew, he's like, you can't serve God. You know why he said that so confidently? Because he looked out among them and they're serving other gods. He looked out among them and he says, you're worshiping stuff from the past. You're worshiping things that are currently in the land around you. You can't worship God. There's no way. You can't serve him like this. No, no, no. We will. We will. We will. All right, fine. If you're going to do that, perfect. Now put away the strange gods. You cannot have both. You can't worship stuff from the past. And by worshiping means that you submit your life to it because of your past. And there's a lot of people that are controlled by their past, by the way. They can't get over the past mistakes that they've made. They can't get over the past environments or even the way they grew up. Okay, and then you've got people that are currently around you. Okay, they worship the gods that are around them currently. So they conform themselves into the image of the people around them and the environment around them because they worship that. They submit their lives to that. Okay, if you want to serve God, you cannot have both. Either chuck your past or chuck your current circumstances and serve God or else this is not going to work out. That's what Joshua says. I love that. I love that. And he tells them to incline your heart. See, that's the key. Whatever you incline your heart to, that's what you're going to worship. And so he tells them, incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve in his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And then he wrote these things in a book. And then I love verse 27. Look at this. And Joshua said unto all the people, behold, this stone, this is where he wrote the covenant, shall be a witness unto us. For it hath heard all the words of the Lord, which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your gods. So Joshua let the people depart every man unto his inheritance. I like how he says this. This is really interesting. You know, in the Gospels, I think it's, I have it in Luke 19, 40 and Matthew 3, 9. In the Gospels, it talks about that if uh, Jesus was around and they said, okay, if you don't acknowledge the fact that I'm the Lord, these rocks are going to cry out. Okay, that may sound weird to you, but creation does have a voice. And in Revelation, it talks about that they are groaning. Like, I think about this. I think about the land, the grass, the trees, the mountains, the rocks, the birds. I think about creation. All of creation groans until they are set free from the bondage of sin. That's what it says in Romans. It's really cool. And so here he says, this stone, this stone that he wrote, the words of the covenant, this stone, it has heard you. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work out, but maybe on judgment day, when they're there, God's going to cause this rock to appear and this rock is going to stand up and speak. No, I heard. God, I heard. I heard the words and I heard the voice of the people and I heard Joshua. And this is what actually happened because we have a tendency to skew things. We manipulate things for our own benefit. We change the story to make ourselves appear better than what we actually are. We give excuses as to why we're not obeying God. We give excuses why we don't open up our mouth and witness to the person next to us or invite someone to church. We give great, great excuses. But here's the reality. Cut through the crap and you'll find out that you just didn't want to obey. That's what the rock is going to do. Because what happened to the nation of Israel after this point? They chose not to obey. And so this rock is going to be a witness as to what the truth actually was. So you need a rock like that in your life. And that rock should be the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you should be very submissive to that. So I like that. That's a little nugget that I put in there for us. All right. So let's, let's go through these points here. 
So first of all, don't ever forget what God has done for you. You forget what God has done for you and you'll, you won't walk with him. If you forget what God has done for you, you will stray. If you don't want to stray, be very, very, very clear about your past, who you were, and the mistakes that you've made. Not to dwell in them, not to be controlled by them. For you to know how great God's love is towards you. I hate my past. I hate my mistakes. I hate my failures. But you know what they do for me in my heart and in my life? They keep me close to God. They keep me close because I realize how much he loves me because I am not lovable. I am not worthy for his care and his compassion, and yet he chose to love me. And so you need to remember your past. So don't ever forget what God has done for you. Don't ever forget what God has done for you. Letter B, be thankful always for all things through Christ. Be thankful always. Be thankful for what you have. Even if things are bad, you should be thankful. Look at Hebrews. Hold your spot in Joshua 24. Go to Hebrews. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, and someone read verse 15. Okay, I like this verse for a couple of reasons. First of all, it says, let us offer the what of praise? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Is sacrifice something that is easy to give? No, it is not. It is something very difficult. It costs you something. So God calls it the sacrifice of praise. And then he defines what that is. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Okay. When things are not going well and you are struggling, do you still offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving? Because it doesn't matter how bad things get, you can always be thankful. When things get bad, you know what we tend to do? What do we do? What do you do when things get bad and things get hard? What do you tend to do? Angry, complain. What else? Mental breakdown. (laughs) Punch a pillow. Punch a pillow. All right. Take a nap. (laughs) What else we got? Eat food. food. Stress eat. (laughs) Easy video. Watch TV. Okay. You know why? Why do we do some of those things? To get your mind off of it, to get distracted. The other thing that we tend to do is we go, uh, uh, why? God, why? Why? And we whine and we complain. We revert back to our one and two-year-old selves where we throw hissy fits, throwing our shoes all over the house, plopping your butt down. I mean, screaming fits, right? Throwing objects. I mean, okay. You know why we go back to that? That's your flesh. That's your flesh. You're complaining. You're complaining. And I get it. God gets it. He gives us space. And I'm so thankful that he does. But do you understand some of the best lessons I've ever learned from God has been through my most difficult times. I have gotten some gems from God that only came through difficulty. They are. If I were to go back into my, you know, I mean, if I were to open up different things, lessons from my life that I've learned back from the archives The best lessons that I've been able to give you have been through my mistakes and through the most difficult times of my life. And so I look at that and I'm like, you know, God, even though that was terrible, thank you. Because I would not have learned this without 
that. See, God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And even when you make mistakes, he's able to use it for his honor and for his glory. He's good like that. So we should always be thankful. Always be thankful. And then letter C, purpose in your heart to be faithful no matter the cost. Purpose in your heart to be faithful no matter the cost. Go to Daniel. Daniel 1.8. Whenever I think about purposing in your heart, I always think about Daniel. And you should too. It's a great example. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. All right, so I'm going to read that one. Daniel 1, 8. Timmy. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the and you cheese. Unix. That's okay. I like mispronouncing stuff in the Bible anyway. Unix. I don't even know how you said it. Anyway, all right. I love it. Okay. All right. It lets you know that we are stupid Gentiles. Okay. Because <laughs> we don't know how to pronounce. I listened to someone. Okay. This is just a side note. All right. So I listened to several different podcasts. Well, there's one podcast I listen to. It's called uh, Israel National Radio. And so they'll have um, stuff like when there was a lot of the bombings that were happening in Jerusalem and over in the Gaza Strip and stuff. I'll listen to them and they'll be able to tell you what's going on that the rest of the world doesn't tell you. And so she's naming all the cities that I'm like, oh, I pronounce that Gaza. Or I pronounce that this. Or I pronounce that Hebron. And they're like, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm a Gentile idiot. I don't know how to say anything Hebrew. So it's all good. Okay. All right. So anywho. Verse 8, I like this. Daniel purposed in his heart. Now, you guys know the background of the story, at least you should. And this lines up perfectly with Joshua 24. Daniel is in a strange land. He's in where? Babylon. He's in Babylon, okay? Is he in control of anything? No. No. In fact, he is captured, and they're trying to train him and influence him to be like the Babylonians. So it's very similar to Joshua 24, where they're in this strange land, and they have the choice of whether they're going to worship the gods of that land. Most Jewish people, I want to say most, many, no doubt in my mind about this, there are many Jewish people when they entered into Babylon, guess what they did? They went incognito. They wanted to fly under the radar. They decided, you know what? I'm just going to fit in because if I fit in, I'll survive. Sound familiar? Okay. It should. You know what Daniel did? I can't fit in. I worship God. He's my Lord. I can't, I can't do that. I can't betray him. I can't, I can't turn my back on him. So he purposed in his heart, I'm not going to do that. And it wasn't because he was better than everybody else, like the lost world wants you to feel. Oh, you think you're just better than everybody else? No. I serve God. He's my Lord. And if he's my Lord, then there's certain things I'm just not going to do because I, I can't. I can't turn my back on him. Christians are, are way too flexible on betraying their Lord. It's, it, it's, too, it's amazing to me how easy it is for some born-again believers to just, just I mean, turn their back and, and, and tr- treat God like he's, like he's just some fake thing or that he's just some sham. It, it's, it's not. I mean, this is real. This is real stuff. And yet, the way we live day in and day out, it's very easy for some of us to just betray him. Not Daniel. And so because he didn't want to betray the Lord, he purposed in his heart that he was not going to defile himself. And he knew it could cost him. He knew it could cost him his life, but he didn't care because he worshipped God. God was his Lord. And see, that's the difference in between us and Daniel. 
Is God your Lord? Is Jesus the one that you serve? If he is, it should be overwhelmingly evident. Overwhelmingly evident. Not just to the people around you, but to yourself. And Joshua knew very, very well. He knew the nation of Israel. He's like, you can't serve God. You can't serve God. Now, there were some that did, for sure. But Joshua knew them. They're already worshiping these false gods, so it's only a matter of time before they go, go astray. Okay. All right, so there's that one. I just want to show you that one out of Daniel. There's a lot more verses there that you can look up later. All right, so let's hit our last point. Okay. So in light of that, he gives them this final warning, and then you have this last point. When you do not keep God as the king... You do that which is right in your own eyes and get trapped in the cycle of sin. And this is where Joshua knew that the nation of Israel was heading. He tried to do everything in his power to stop them from going there. And I will say there was at least one generation, and we're going to see this in a minute. There was at least one generation that, were, that was faithful. So after Joshua, there was one generation that stuck with it and they were obedient. But then their children dropped the ball. And they completely botched it. And that's where you have the book of Judges. And the book of Judges is one of the most depressing books in the Old Testament because they just go over and over and over again. They keep messing up. They keep sinning over and over and over again until finally God gives them the deliverer that they actually should have had in the first place. But they had to get the, the, the type of the Antichrist first before they actually had their Messiah. So it's a beautiful picture of what God's going to do through the nation of Israel uh, in fact, like right now, the nation of Israel is in that, that mindset of the book of Judges. Really, if you want to look at it doctrinally, the nation of Israel right now is in the book of Judges. And when the book of Judges is over, when the book of Judges is completely over, Saul comes on the scene to be their king. And guess who Saul's a picture of? The Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to rule over the nation of Israel for a period of time until who comes up next? David. David. And David is a picture of Jesus Christ. So that's the doctrinal application right here from the book of Judges. All right, so you have the book of Judges here. Let's take a look at a couple of this. So Judges chapter 2. Take a look at this, Judges chapter 2. All right, so it gives a little bit of a recap from Joshua in the first chapter and then getting into the second chapter in chapter 2 and verse 6. Okay, and when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man into his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. So that was a great success. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath Heres in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Now, this is a great lesson. Why did they not know the Lord or the works? Yes, their parents did not teach them properly. The previous generation were not faithful to pass along the things that they learned effectively. Right? This is why discipleship is so important. Discipleship is so important. I was raised in church. I have every excuse to walk away from church. I have seen the ugly of the ugly when it comes to church. Some of you have also seen the same thing. Some of you have yet to see that. But here's the temptation that many of you have that have been raised in church. To be very apathetic towards the things of God. 
to be very, very apathetic, like it doesn't even matter. That is not true. And part of the reason why I am so hard on you at times, especially when we're preaching and teaching the Bible, is because I was in your seat. I was in your seat, and I have been tempted with the same things that you have, and most of my friends that sat in the seats next to me in youth ministry are now gone and doing their own thing. They live their lives today as if God does not matter when it matters a whole lot. It matters a whole lot. I made my own mistakes, and I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I have. So if you're a second or third generation Christian, the deck is stacked against you because you have the temptation of apathy. But I'm telling you, you need to cut through all that and you see the truth for what it is because we are all sinners. We all need a savior. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to make a load of bad decisions to find out that God's good. Like <laughs> That's just a cop out. You don't have to do that. You can actually make good decisions because we're all sinners. And we all need a savior. And this stuff is true. And so you need to fight against that apathy that happens in your life. So here, this generation popped up, and they didn't even know. They didn't even know the Lord, nor the works. Verse 11, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. My goodness, if you were to study out Balaam, you find out that is like the worst of the worst. That's like worshiping the Antichrist himself. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them, and, and, bowed, and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Asheroth. I mean, those are two false gods that plagued the nation of Israel for years. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them and sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said. And as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. And then look at the goodness of God. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way, which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. My goodness, do you not see yourself in this? I do. I see me in this. This is our tendency as human beings. This is why the Bible is called the mirror of God's word. Because when you look at it, you should be seeing yourself. You should be seeing your own issues that you have. We, we turn quickly out of the way at times. And we need to make sure to get back to where we're supposed to be. Why God's so good at giving us the word of God. Now, I want you to see this. All right, Go to the end of the book of Judges. Chapter 21. Chapter 21. Judges 21. So you go through the book of Judges and they sin again. And then they get themselves captured and they're enslaved by the people that are around them. And then God raises up a judge to deliver them. And this happens over and over and over and over and over and over again. They just keep going back to the same junk over and over and over again. But God is good to them to try to deliver them. And so there's this whole cycle of sin that they're willing to be broken and repent when things go bad for them. And God's trying to teach them some very important lessons from there. All right, but here it is, verse 25. Someone read verse 25. Go ahead, Sam. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Okay, this is it. This is our problem. 
Laodiceans, this is our problem. We don't want God to be our king. Why do we not want God to be our king? Yes. We somehow are convinced in our own heart and in our mind that we know what's best. God does not have my best interest at heart. He doesn't know what he's doing. I know what's best. I know better than God. I'm going to do what I want to do. That is us to a T. And so if that's the case, there's no king in your heart and you're going to do that which is right in your own eyes. But what does Proverbs say? There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So, what are you going to do? Are you going to submit yourself to the king, or are you going to do your own thing, and it's going to end in death? That is the choice that Joshua gives you. That is the way that Joshua ends this book. What are you going to do? I can't tell you. I look around this room and so many of you guys are at that spot. So many of you guys are at that spot. Of, okay, I'm either going to submit to God or I'm going to keep doing my own thing. And I'm just telling you, this kind of goes back to Wednesday. Remember, we're doing a little bit of prophecy today. All right. We're exposing the word of God and I'm going to foretell your future. Because I believe the Bible. There is a way that seemeth right unto you. But the end of that way is death. And God has put before you every Sunday, every Wednesday, every day, if you're willing to open up your Bible, he has put before you the choice of life or death. Now, we're not talking about eternal salvation. Maybe for some of you, I am. But for most of you that say you're born again, it is life and death about your current life. Because the choices that you make now matter for the people around you from tomorrow, the day after, the day after that, the week after that, the years after that. How do you not know the decisions that you're making now are not going to determine things five, ten years down the road? They will. They do. Because you're going to sow whatever you're going to sow and you're going to reap whatever you're going to reap. So you need to figure out what are you sowing? What kind of person do you want to be? Okay, well, if you want to be that person, then you need to start sowing that seed now. You've got to. You've got to. And the sad part is, I've had many students that have come back to me afterwards with lessons like this, and they're like, oh, you were so right. I'm like, I know. (laughs) Not because I'm arrogant, but because I know what the Bible says, and because I know my own life mistakes, my own experiences. So this may not seem like a big deal to you now, but it is a huge deal. And if God is pricking on your heart to really think about your life, then please do it. It was this, there was this phase of my life where I made the decision to stop doing certain things and start doing other things. And that was my own convictions. I had to stop doing one thing and I had to start doing something else. And even in that new thing that I started doing, I had to make good decisions there or else it was going to lead me there. And then I made poor decisions and it led me somewhere else. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that the way Joshua ends this is the message for us today and for our future. So what kind of person do you want to be? So you can look at this later, but the three points under here is the great invitation, the great commandment, and the great commission. Before you can go and reach the world, you have to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And before that can happen, you have to worship God. So the great invitation is is that you need to let God be your Lord.
And then from that, you'll learn how to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you'll learn to love people uh, as you love yourself. And then through that, you'll be able to go and do the Great Commission. There's a lot of people that feel convicted because they're not witnessing or they're not discipling or they're not involved in those things. Well, the reason why they're not is because they don't love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they don't love their neighbor as themselves. And the reason why they don't love their neighbor as themselves or God with everything they've got is because they've never accepted the great invitation. They've never made God their Lord. They've never taken his yoke upon themselves. That's what Jesus said. Look up those verses, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and then Matthew 22, 36 through 40, and then Matthew 28, 18 through 20. That's the progression. If you really want God to use your life for his honor and for his glory, then you need to submit yourself to the yoke of Jesus Christ and follow his lead. Learn to love him with everything you've got and love your neighbors yourself, and then you're going to be able to evangelize and make disciples properly. That is the biblical pattern. And so I wanted to end with that, but I felt like, just especially with this morning, with the Joshua 24 and the choice that you guys have to make is, is where we really need to emphasize. All right, so we are done with the book of Joshua. So what we're going to do um, next week, um, since it's the last Sunday before Christmas, we'll probably do some sort of a Christmas message. Maybe I'll do the, you know, when Jesus' birthday was actually. We can talk about that. That'd be kind of fun on Sunday. So maybe we can do that. <laughs> um, and then after that, we've got uh, one more Sunday before the start of the new year, and we're going to get into some uh, doctrinal studies. I'm not sure exactly how that's all going to frame out, but we'll be doing that on a Sunday morning. Um, this Wednesday, we're going to go through the stuff that we didn't get to finish on some of the charismatic doctrines of healing and tongues, um, and when it comes to spiritual gifts, so we're going to talk about that this Wednesday, and um, I just need to get the podcast up from Wednesday, for those of you that listen to that. So, uh, any final comments or questions? Yep, Timmy. What was the name of that reference? Uh, let's see. It was in Proverbs. I can look it up really quick. I forget the first. There's a couple of them in Proverbs. Proverbs 14.12 and Proverbs 16.25. And both are almost exactly the same. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And then 16.25 is there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So... Uh, Proverbs 14.12 and Proverbs 16.25. All right. Okay. Well, let's pray and let's get out of here. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what it teaches us. And I pray, God, that we'd be submissive. I pray that I would be submissive to this. Um, I do feel the tug daily about uh, just forsaking you and not letting you be the Lord of my life. And it's wrong. And so I pray, God, that I'd follow Joshua's lead, that regardless of my circumstances and surroundings, that I would serve you and that my house would serve you. I worry about that with my kids. Um, I want them to serve you. And so I pray that you'd help me to create an environment and to teach them properly in order for them to have a heart for these things. Um, and I know they're going to struggle. We all do, and we have to work through things on our own. But I pray, God, you'd help me to do what's right. So thank you for these reminders today. And I pray that uh, we all would be obedient so you can be glorified. Give us opportunities to witness for you this week. Have good conversations with people. Invite them to church. Um, invite them to winter camp. Just open up those doors for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.